In this episode, we meet Paralympian, professional speaker, and resilience ninja, Kevin Rempel. Kevin and I bent back in 2015 when he was a speaker at Georgian College where I was attending post-secondary. And since then, we've been able to become really great friends. He has an incredible story from being in a severe motocross accident where he became an incomplete paraplegic to discovering sledge hockey and competing at the highest level at both the World Championships and then the 2014 Sochi Paralympics. And since then, he's become an author, he's become an incredible public speaker, and he's become the founder of the Sledge Hockey Experience. So he has a ton of insight to share about becoming a paid speaker, about overcoming obstacles, becoming the hero of your own movie. I can't wait for you to hear what he has to share. Welcome to I Will Teach You to Speak. Kevin, thanks for being here. You got it, my brother. Nice to be here too. This has been something that I've been looking forward to for the last couple of weeks. What I'm most excited about is there are dozens and dozens of questions that I want to ask you, but I want to start off by talking about how we met, and that was in 2015 at Georgian College when I was there for business entrepreneurship, and you were there as a speaker. And so I was curious, can you share a what you spoke about and what that experience was like and then also be how'd you get there in the first place well that's it's funny because like i was brought there to speak on entrepreneurship of all things and a little bit about being a speaker as a business owner but like i feel i don't need, i wouldn't even consider myself the entrepreneur then that i am now like it's night and day difference okay um so i mean i was brought there to talk about uh, my journey and running my own business as a speaker um, but I've had to put it so much work to get the sledge hockey experience off the ground. For those who don't know is a, a corporate team building program where I bring able-bodied people onto the ice to play sledge hockey, a Paralympic sport and better understand disabilities, diversity, and inclusion. And so building that business over the last, um, couple of years to go from like a business plan, for example, getting a loan, capital investment, yep. managing cash flow has been so different than the speaking journey, even though that's been the 10 year thing. I mean, I got asked to do one speech for free and cause just to help somebody out. And then that was, they liked it. And they're like, well, would you do it again? And they're like, I'm like, sure. And they're like, well, what do you charge? I'm like, <laughs> like, that was a great question I just, to get. I threw out 500 bucks thinking that I was being ballsy. And then next thing I know, I found out this person did a year prior, got two grand. And I was like, Oh, shit. oh wow. So, um, but anyway, that was the Georgian talk is about talking about entrepreneurship Got it. and just overcoming adversity, of course, in my life. But um, the entrepreneur talk has merged a lot, but the adversity level, whether it's, we'll get into it, I'm sure, learning to walk again. I don't want to spoil it too much. That's kind of what that was all about. Okay. And I want to point out before we jump into some more questions for communicators out there, I want this podcast and the show to be as experiential as possible. And what you just did there, right, right there with the what is the sledge hockey experience in 30 seconds or less that that value proposition and what we would call the elevator pitch i think was fantastic and so i want to give you kudos for having that like ready and prepped i'm sure you've delivered it dozens of times and so for everyone listening you can really learn from kevin and that experience on what do you say when you only have 30 seconds to say what you're up to 
And so well, I, I love that. So actually I would love to point out to, for you and for the, for the listeners and the viewers, then um, I, I was on a road trip with a buddy. We got into a heated conversation because he's a sales guy and he's like, what's your pitch? What's your pitch? And I was okay. we were, like, we were fighting. I mean, <laughs> fighting on the road. Cause I was like, I don't want to do a stupid pitch. And he's like, you got to get it figured out. So long story short, we fought the whole car ride to this golf tournament. We show up at the golf tournament. And then like one of the first group of people we meet, they're like, Oh, tell me what you do. And I like, just like rattled it off. And he's like, well, is that? Like, why are you in the car? <laughs> but the difference is, and here's a lesson for anybody is that like, when it comes from your heart, it'll just, it'll flow. And I think from experience, like you said, telling it over and over again, you don't want to be redundant. Yes. You'll find your way to like narrow it down, but like whatever it is you're pursuing in life, or if you're trying to sell the best way is not try and sell and just speak from your heart. And then it's just going to come out real naturally. Okay. Great way to start off the show. I really appreciate that tip. And I wanted to jump into something that I think is really important. And that's to talk about as an entrepreneur, as a communicator, as a salesperson, doesn't matter who you are or even what career path you decide what I found personally for myself and the reason why I did the profile of a champion of you last year and why I think that's my favorite blog that I've ever written is because if there was one character trait that I could have had that would have catapulted my life and transformed it, who knows where I'd be today. It's if I was more resilient. And so you've had a ton of experience with obstacles. I like to consider you the ninja of overcoming obstacles in my opinion. And so can you share, there's a lot we could talk about, but why don't you start with your, your accident and then some of the challenges you've experienced since then. And then we can try to boil that down into your philosophies around resilience. Sure. So I'll, I'll, I'll basically just do the elevator pitch again for the, for the, everyone watching and listening. So they kind of get the context of like who I am and why I'm here. Um, so in, in as short as possible, my story is that I'm a retired Paralympic athlete in sled hockey. I played five years on team Canada and people ask, why are you in a Paralympic sport? Because if you saw me on the street, I'm walking and I look pretty normal. Yep. Um, 12 years ago, July 15th, that just passed. Um, I broke my back dirt biking. I rode freestyle motocross, um, crashed at my second show, paralyzed, incomplete paraplegic, back pelvis and ribs, never supposed to walk. Luckily, did not sever my spinal cord. I, I fractured my vertebrae. I, they fractured and dislocated. Spinal cord was pinched, realigned, bruising and swelling goes down. Six weeks to wiggle my first toe, 10 months in a chair, two months canes, walking and riding in a year. The kicker is that my dad was also paralyzed four years before I was. We were deer hunting, building a tree stand. Dad fell from the tree when the branch broke. A year from retirement, became a complete paraplegic. My mom had husband and her husband and son both in wheelchairs and both with spinal cord injuries at the exact same time within four years from each other. During my one-year recovery, long story short, um, dad had developed serious depression but also a serious gambling addiction. My mom left my dad. Seven weeks later, my dad took his own life. I wanted to do this. I'm going to, <laughs> I wanted to do the same thing. Sometimes as a speaker, I forget to pause. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, so I wanted to do the same thing after my dad. Never injured myself. Found Team Canada. World Championships. Paralympic bronze. Post-Olympic depression hit. Really low point again. And a year after. So three times I've hit rock bottom. But... Um, that was when I had to pull my pants up again, basically, um, self-published my autobiography and then created the sled hockey experience. So that's like the, that's the 
12 year window from my accident. And if you go back as far as my dad, it's been 16 years from that starting. Um, But to speak of like the setbacks, the adversity, developing the resilience and all that stuff, there's obviously like a ton of lessons in there. But when I, as a speaker, deliver my keynote presentation, uh, my keynote's about being the hero of your own movie. Yes. Which is focusing on the small things that make the big difference. Okay. And we all have an opportunity to show up in our own life to be that hero to whether it's like getting yourself out of depression, to start a business, to like leave a relationship, to like mend a friendship, to get yourself back into shape, to just mentally be positive, whatever that case is. Like we all have an opportunity to show up every day in our own life. And so the three things that when I reflect on my life that really stand out that made a big difference. Number one is accepting responsibility for your life. That you may not be responsible for what happened to you, but you are responsible for what you do about it. Yes. Um, the second thing is taking things one step at a time. Um, ordinary actions consistently done will create extraordinary results. Yes. And the third thing is just never giving up is um, I would never be here today. Had I quit and, once you get through that dark place or get yourself out of the gutter and back to a good place, it's that journey of going through the trenches to get yourself back out. And when you reflect on it, you're like, I'm glad I went through all that because that's where the resilience is built. That's where your character is developed. And that's what makes you stronger. That's amazing. And you, you stole like three questions of mine there. I was going to talk about <laughs> responsibility and things of manager, things that we talked about in the blog, but that's a perfect description. And we'll come back, I think, near the end to like closing remarks and things of that nature. But one thing that I want to talk about in your story is it's a, it was like a super quick jump between found sledge hockey and then became a Paralympian. And so I wanted to talk to you about what that experience was like because you're at the highest level of that sport you played for team Canada and you folks won the world championships and then ended up winning the, the bronze medal in the Sochi Olympics. And so the Paralympics. So do you mind sharing your experience in that team environment and specifically if you could tailor it to communication? Cause I'm sure that there was some leaders there that made a really big impact on you. And if it's possible to think back to a couple of those people that may have made a, an impact on communication or maybe in, in your own experience, what you did in that experience to, to really demonstrate communication skills. Like what did it take to be a strong communicator in that environment at the highest level of that sport? Um, what, so it's, all, it's awesome that you asked that question. Um, if I'm going to be completely transparent with you, like um, one thing is that, trying to think of how I want to word this. It's like communication is essential Uh, on a team like that. I think one of the things that really stands out is more honestly, more than communication is trust. I mean, in our Paralympic team and sport, we're spread out so far across the province and the country that we really have to trust that everybody is putting in the work and our communication while we're away from each other, I think could have been better. I mean, that's just, are unfortunately a bit of the nature of the sport and the, and the team. Um, I learned a lot because we're here. We're, I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. Um, we hope so. When we're, when we're on, when we're on the ice, when we're on the ice, um, it becomes second nature to know how to communicate with guys of like where they're going to be. Um, and it's just, 
talking through it. But, we, but where I, if I may, where I'd like to go is that what I learned from playing on the team is that our communication could have been better. Okay. And what that taught me is when I became an entrepreneur in the sledge hockey experience is how I want to communicate with my team. So I, I look to leadership um, on team Canada and definitely learned a lot from them about like just work ethic about um, talking to individual guys. But um, what I, what I'm most proud about when I think about leadership and communication is what I'm able to build today with the sledge hockey experience with my team, like I'm responsible for five or six people, every event that we run. I now have my best friend working with me full time. Like I said, we're looking on bringing on more people Um, in the world of entrepreneurship. We're working with some that are able to come to the condo. Some work far away. We got to work over different apps and devices. And when I think about communication and leadership, one is um, like Gary Vee will talk about, like you get more out of people and you deploy more honey than vinegar. Okay. Is, um, I think that in an old school kind of mentality of like sports, it's so easy to like nitpick at guys. And um, I found that that really was challenging to be in that environment. That's not an area where I thrive. So okay. what, I, what I'm getting at is that what I learned about one way of communicating in sport, despite being at the high level, is not something that I was most receptive to. Okay. And I want to help build my team in a way that, we help each other feel better at all times and we'll get the best out of them by just drawing on their strength, not trying to cut them down. And that's just, that's just who I am. Is like, I, I shut down when I get that way. I don't know. If, no, that answers my question. I think I knew, I, I think I knew where you wanted to go with the question, but like, I can't fake it. Oh. That works because my dad has always told me, especially in his career, that he always learned more from the bosses that he didn't want to be like than the ones that he wanted to be like. And so what that shows for me is those were opportunities for you to take those lessons of the things that weren't working and then apply them now to your business, which is, which is great. And what I want to talk about is one more piece about communication at that level of sport and it doesn't have to be sport. It could be business. It could be any area of life is the internal communication. So like the self-talk, because what I find is in the profile of a champion, when I find people that are really living and they're taking full advantage of life and they're really pulling everything out of it as possible is they have really positive self-talk. And so mm-hmm. I was wondering if, if you could share, especially in those dark, dark times, because you said there was three of those and I'm sure on the journey, there's been other road bumps that you've had to, to deal with what does the self-talk look like? And what do you have as advice for those that are in a dark place now that need to have better self-talk so that they can try to overcome that? Well, one of the first things that comes to mind is uh, Jim Rohn says like every day it's got to stand guard at the door of your mind. Yes. And you need to bulletproof your mind as much as possible. And Will Smith, when I was an athlete, um, focusing on the staying in physical shape, but the same thing applies for mental strength is that Will Smith, I remember him saying one time is that it's easier to stay ready than it is to get ready. Mm. And so I think it's easier to stay in physical shape than it is to get in shape. And the same yes. thing with your mind, like, right. So, um, I took those principles a lot to really strengthen myself and, and create some good habits. And the five minute journal today is something that's exceptional and keeping me in a positive state, like every day to add a couple notes in the morning and in the evening, um, 
I, in those dark moments, I mean, when I hit rock bottom, the, the thoughts that I would say to myself, I mean, when I was like the worst was I just, it was like, to me, it was, I would always think about my dad because my dad took his own life. And I'm like, when I hit rock bottom, I was like, well, I, here's outcome A, which is the exact outcome of my dad. And outcome B is you, you pick your fucking pants up and you turn around and you, you go the opposite direction. And so whenever I've hit rock bottom, I, my thought process was, I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want this to be the ending to my story. And being the hero of your own movie is like, you have the opportunity to re to write and your, the ending of your story has not been written yet. And every day you have an opportunity to write a new chapter. Mm -hmm. And so deciding of like what you want that story to, to be, that chapter to be, that week to be, that day to be, or if it's the month or the year, or the next five years of your life, like you always have an opportunity to write a new chapter. So the self-talk comes down to things like, who do I want to be? How am I going to achieve it? What's the first next step? And like when I was at my worst, I mean, getting out of depression was, well, I looked at like, what did I do that spiraled downward? I would look back from, you know, after the post-Olympics, for example, like I, I stopped training. I stopped eating right. I started going with friends. I started drinking. I was staying up late. I had no goals. And all of a sudden I found myself alone and isolated and I wasn't going anywhere. So I was like, okay, well, the same way about my dad do the opposite. I'm like, well, if I did these things to spiral downward, I don't want to spiral upward. Just do the opposite. So mm -hmm. I went to the grocery. Like, I'm like, as things as that get, simple. Yeah. I went to the grocery store. I bought fucking apples. <laughs> I bought apples instead of chips. Nice. Right. Nice. Like I got salmon instead of like yes. microwave dinners out of the freezer. Right. Yes. I, I call my trainer. I got back into the gym. I started writing some goals. I got a coach yeah. to help me write my book. Like, you know what I mean? Like yes. it's that basic people. But when you're in that mindset, you think that it's something more. Yeah, no, I hear exactly what you're saying. And what it sounds like to me is that that philosophy that you keep coming back to, which is one small step in the right direction will lead to massive results. And like Jim Rohn says, few simple disciplines every day will lead you to where you want to go. So that's fantastic. And it all started with a bag of fucking apples. But that's like, it. Like, man, honestly, like I, I don't feel the same anymore. I used to feel, feel silly saying that sort of example to anyone because I'm like, come on, apples, Kev, seriously, you're suicidal. You're talking about apples. But I'm like, that's the truth. I'm like, you're overcomplicating it. Like you think that it needs something to be drastic to turn your life around. You think that you need like Jesus to come down here or a million dollars to like get out of the gutters. Like, no, you don't. Like you just need to like establish some new disciplines in your life and decide like you being the hero is like you being the one that has a discipline, like pick your, pick your ass up, get to the store, and go out and, and buy some better stuff. And then like the discipline to like cook it, to like eat that dinner and then like repeat that process regularly. And like you start eating better, you start feeling better mentally. You can start to think cognitively a lot clearer and then you start making better decisions. And then that compounds because now you're happy and excited about something you did last week. That's like trend. Like now I'm just like, you know, saying like, yes, like, this is it. Like this is, yeah, and then it's just a snowball from there. Awesome. Hey, you gave us a couple things there. I love you gave us the blueprint to depression, which I've experienced before. And I know you've experienced that. And a lot of people here can really connect and resonate with that. What to do about it. And then also you were the first person to say fucking on the show. And that's exactly what we needed <laughs> on this show. So thank you for that. I appreciate exactly it. Exactly what you want. That's exactly what we needed. So I appreciate oh, really? that. Cause I was yeah. like, I thought as I, started, I dropped the first one, I was like, I didn't even ask him if he was cool with this ahead of time, but that's all good. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, let's jump into the sledge hockey experience a little bit more because now as an entrepreneur, you're building a team, you're communicating with them. I specifically want to talk about sales 
because you're an entrepreneur and a business owner, but I like to think of it as sales first. And then once you've figured that out, once you've gotten the, the business and the cash in the door, then you could start to deliver on those other pieces. So how have you been able to consistently get customers and what would you give advice for someone that's just starting out in their business or just starting on their speaking career? What are some of the two, three things that you did to be able to get those first couple customers? Um, well, basically number one is that I piloted the business. Like I tested the market to see if there was actually something there. Once I got feedback from RBC was the first client and they said, awesome. Holy cow, this is like a huge win. Amazing. Um, I knew I had something great. I got testimonials. I ran another two pilot events and with that built up my material to get the website going, write the business plan, prove it to the, to futurepreneur and BDC. Yes. And then I went to town, but um, it was slow going at the beginning. I mean, I had to get people to still buy in. Um, but once I got some momentum behind me, I mean, I put a lot of my own cash into the business. I mean, I sold, I had, I had three rental properties. I sold one that paid me a salary so that I could go, full-time at developing this business, not a part-time gig. Um, I sold my Harley Davidson to invest in the business. Um, I d I've done a lot to like fuel it off, to get it off the ground. But two things, one is um, like we discussed prior to starting this call is like really creating a great product and providing a lot of value, like more value than what you even pay for. Yeah, delighting people. Yeah, like, it helps so much to like do something that you love. Like, I mean, I, I, I will forever go the extra mile, anything sludge hockey related because I just love the sport so much. And that translates in your body language and your energy when people see you and they're just like, wow, this is like nothing I've ever experienced before. So that really helps with like word of mouth. And then we were chatting about social media as well, as far as generating sales is that like, we're just living in such a world where people love following the journey. And for two years and more, like I really documented like, the first time that I ever opened up a box of banners that I paid for myself and I like got on the floor of my condo and, and I like sniffed the plastic because it just felt like I was that much closer to my dreams and my goals becoming a reality. Like yes. that was a real moment that so many people can relate to. Like when you get your first t-shirt with your, like your logo printed on and you're like, Oh my God, this is so real. But like, but that, those posts, that people will think that don't matter and nobody cares about, like people are interested in your life. Yes. And so I've had a lot of people that have followed the journey and that have chirped me for like, why do you post so much? But I'm like, that's translated into business because people mm -hmm. have been like, Oh my gosh, you've inspired me. I feel like I can do it too. Now I love watching you. And now I've got a perfect opportunity that I'd love to work with you. Let's chat. And, and so being open and vulnerable and willing to like put yourself out there these days will I think come back in space and just doing good. Like I said, one this, one of these, one of the biggest events I got was from just being a good person 10 months ago to somebody that I kind of stayed in touch with. And then all of a sudden it translated into like a huge, it turned into a sale, but I wasn't trying to be selly. I was just being me a good person trying to provide value. And then over time it comes back to you. Okay. Awesome. A couple of really cool themes there. One I want to dive into a little bit more. And you talked about like building a brand by documenting the journey. And that's one of Gary's big themes. And for those that don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk is a business owner that built a huge wine business as a family business. Then he went into the marketing space and built a huge marketing agency. And now he's an entrepreneur that sells books and sneakers. I saw you got his new sneaker. So yeah. that's cool. And I wanted to ask you a little bit more because 
I've seen you almost execute perfectly on his philosophy around social media. I was talking to Cody Shiwan, who's a, we're mutual friends. And he said, if there's anybody that does social media, right, it's Kevin <laughs> Rempel. And so I'm just, I'm just wondering from your perspective, for a lot of people that think it may be a waste of time or it's like really draining or they don't feel like it's, it's them or even like, who am I to be posting about myself or my business all the time? Like what advice would you have for those people about using social media and like how to get the most out of it without feeling that way about themselves? It's really, if, if, if you're not naturally one that feels like you want to put yourself out there, it's really hard. Yes. Um, I, I did an interview where I, I had it really well thought out in the moment, but the first thing that comes to mind ironically is like, you need to get over yourself. You need to get over yourself in the sense that you think that you're that big of a deal that people give that much of a shit about you or that you should give that much shit about you. Like, um, it's been, like I got hated on so much for taking selfies, but I'm like, if you don't take them, who's going to take them for you until you have enough money to hire a media team, who else is going to take your photos? I mean, you can set up the phone and set up the timer, but that's not, that's going to kill even more time. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about you feeling self-centered for taking pictures of yourself. Don't worry about the people hating on you for taking pictures of yourself and don't worry about getting the perfect photo because in the world, if you're a solo entrepreneur and you don't have anybody else to help you, this is the way to do it. Yes. So it's like, that's, that's such a huge mental barrier, even though I still battle. I mean, I'm way much better. I mean, I'm not too, hardly at all ashamed of taking selfies. I'm not at all. I'm not a selfie, so I get it. But like, but like that was, that's been a, that's a huge hurdle for a lot of people to get over. Um, so just take the damn photo. And, and then one of the second things is like to understand that like what may not be interesting to you is super interesting to someone else. Like, I want to know if you're up late and you've got a clipboard and you're just like scribbling ideas. Um, I want to know, you know, you got to go pick up new clothes for your next speaking gig. Like, where do you shop? Like, Oh, I shop at that store too. Now I feel more connected to you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's your frustration for the day? Um, you know, I've had, five emails come back like this is a real thing for me and Blair we send emails to and then CC because we don't want to spam everybody but then nobody replies all and we're like now now the people that we wanted to be in the loop of the conversation now don't have any idea what's going on like that drives us insane but that's a frustration that a lot of people can relate to so if I just do a post being like yo paying attention to details matters in business like remember to hit the reply all button because a lot, a lot of us do care. Like that's something you can connect to. So don't be afraid to do this and click and then share what you share your truth, like Gary TV says, because that's what people connect to, not the podium, not the fifty thousand dollar checks. Yes. It's like they want to know what the journey's like of when you're battling a freaking email or trying to like pick pick out your next hundred and ten dollar pants because you can't afford to shop anywhere fancier. Okay. Awesome. No, that's perfect. And the reason why is because that segues great into the next point, which is about like, there's nothing I've read in my life that was more raw, just like you're describing your social media. It's just raw. It's transparent. It's real. It's your truth. Then your book still standing. I've never read anything that I felt like I connected with somebody more and that like, I know way too much about Kevin 
And I, we're definitely better friends after me reading your book. And so I have a couple questions about your book. It's mostly around the impact that it's had on both your business, your, your brand, and then the ability to get paid speaking gigs. So can you share a little bit about the inspiration around writing the book, first of all, and then the impact it's had? Yeah, so um, my results or reason for writing my book is not typical. Like, I wrote my book for me. I wrote my book because I just wanted to write a book. I wanted to get my story out on paper before I die. I wanted to do it for me first, for my family second, for the kids that I don't have yet third. Mm -hmm. I would think that if I had kids, maybe, you know, they're two years old and I passed away and they grew up, at least then they could, like, know who their father was and his real story from his point of view. Okay. And then like the audience fourth, that there, it became a speaking thing fourth on the list. Okay. And when I wrote it, uh, I didn't put any effort in behind promoting it or thought like, I just literally just wrote it. I posted a couple of times. I'm like, yo, my book's out. And most people picked it up if they know me and I've given away, I feel like as many copies as I've sold, Okay. not from like the bulk buys, but like, I give, I've given away so many books because I just want to help people. Like I have so many people like friend, spinal cord injury, friend, brain injury, friend, depressed, like, and I just kind of a free copy of my book. Um, so that's, that was the process. It was not therapeutic in the way of like, I needed to get it out for me to move on with my life, but like it was fun to write because okay. there's so much of that stuff behind the scenes that the, re the reason why you know so much and when people read the book, they'll know so much about me is because from my experience on one-on-one -on -one conversations in parking lots and hockey locker rooms, like on the street, like that's the stuff that people connect to. And there is a little bit more information than some people need to know in there. But like, if you're, <laughs> I'm like being so straight and real, like if you're suicidal, if you want to fucking take your life, like that's the stuff that will help you feel like you're not alone that's the stuff that you'll connect with and feel like, Oh, I can turn it around too. Like I wrote it specifically for people who are in the hospital who had spinal cord injuries, because like, that's the real stuff. That's the real stuff. Um, as far as like the business, um, it does add credibility. Um, I'm not with speakers bureaus other than one. And so it's not like it's brought in tons of more dollars for me. It's definitely an awesome additional source of revenue. If you have 150 people buying a, a copy of your book, I mean, that's a pretty, 1500 bucks to two grand additional on top of your speaking fee that you're not expecting. Okay. So there's been some really exciting days there. And, uh, I think now that I'm just investing more with my media team, promoting my story, the book will sell more, but, um, to be dead honest with you, I wrote it more for myself and haven't made a ton of money, but like, it's been really fun and, uh, I'd highly recommend people doing that. Okay. Awesome, man. And thanks for being so transparent and speaking from the heart. I only have one last question before some closing remarks and, and that's about the book you're reading right now. And I saw as you do posting on Instagram, everything you're up to and what your life is really like is I saw a post about a book about public speaking and I thought that was yeah. really interesting and it caught my attention because I know how long you've been speaking and I'm a huge fan of for like lifelong learning. And so I was wondering after 10 years of speaking, why were you compelled to pick up that book? And like, what, what would you share about pe for people about lifelong learning? Um, Cause it's like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. I think that I've done really well. I think that I have some natural gifts as a speaker. Like I'm just naturally one that would be down to chat and all that. I got a gnarly story. So that really helps a lot. Plus the accomplishments. Yes. Um, but I want to get to the next level for me. Like I'm, 
at a healthy keynote fee right now, but I'm like, I need to like, I want to get to the point where I can double where I'm at right now. Yes. And so I started working with mentors and coaches and started asking questions like what's it going to take for me to get from like from here to here. And one of those things is just becoming a little bit better at my delivery. It's everything. Delivery, vocal tones, body language, stage presence, and, and words. And it's funny, you said I'm like a resilience ninja or something like that. So when I was reading that book, I texted one of my friends, Garrett Maxwell, who's a great speaker as well. And I said, and Patricia Fripp, I don't know if you ever heard about her. No, I'll uh, have to look that up. So she, there, she's, um, she's one of the people who wrote the book, but I'm like, she's a word ninja. Mm. And it's so interesting in, in this book as one of the examples where it's taking a statement of, um, I, I try, can't think of an example off the top of my head, basically really being articulate, careful with like what words you use and how you can rephrase a sentence and the value in actually printing out your speech, looking at each of those sentences and even like thinking it's like the punchline. It's like, it goes into like um, comedians of like how they structure their delivery with the pause to really create the dramatic effect with the audience. And give your time, giving your audience enough time to like absorb the information before you deliver the next statement. Like it's, it's so scientific almost. And I don't want to become so scripted. Like I love the Gary Vee style, the Andy Fristilla who just goes up there and rants. Like that's my, I draw to that. And I actually want to be that more. But until I can figure out more of who I am and how I present on a stage, like I've got 10 years under my belt, but I think that I've kind of floated by in 10 years and I want to like get there with deliberate action. And, and to tell, go back to it, like what I've learned through business is so exciting, like I said, about how to become a better leader by leading other people. What I learned through business in terms of preparation to execute a sled chalky experience and what those results turn into for my client and the number of referrals for paying attention to the details. Yes. I'm like, I have not done that with my speaking career. Okay. So I'm like, I've learned. I not enough at all. Like, so I've learned, okay, here's what I can't accomplish in sledge. I know I've got this much potential in speaking. So if I put in like that much effort, let alone that much effort to like what I, to parallel what I put in effort with, with sledge, I can't wait for this to take off. So that's where I say, I've been like 80% sledge, 20 speaking. I want to bring it like 60, 40. And that's going to come from like paying attention to like those details, to like really build everything like stage presence, the back end, the, how to facilitate the booking with the client, the contracts, like really make that as seamless as I make the sledge hockey experience. Awesome. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah. I think I've gotten by a lot of my talent for speaking more than on the hard work side. And I want to change that. Okay. Awesome. Huge inspiration. Kevin, I have to thank you. And I'm really grateful for your friendship. I'm really grateful for you being on the show. I'm really grateful for the value that we're providing to the audience. I know there's going to be a lot of really great takeaways for a lot of people. Do you have anything you wanted to share as a, as a closing remark, anything that you want the audience to take away? Um, number one, thanks for bringing me on. I'm such a huge fan of all the work that you do. So for anybody listening, I think Jonathan's got a ton of value to continue to add. And it's, I enjoy following your journey. So um, that's been a pleasure because uh, you've come a long way since I met you. Um, I think for the audience, uh, and I'm, I'm curious when we jump off the call for maybe a brief chat about what yours or the audience's thought might have been around my, um, what I shared as a speaker because I kept paralleling it back to sled hockey. I think that just authenticity and transparency goes such a long way. 
Um, one of the other books that I'm reading right now is called Principles by Ray Dalio, who's the yes. founder of Bridgewater's Group. Yep. And his book's built, built up into um, two sections, life principles and business principles. Okay. And one of the sections that's so incredible is when he talks about radical transparency okay. and being as transparent as you can possibly be with your team and your audience. And we're living in such a world where um, transpa- transparency will trump a lot around authenticity and transparency will trump a lot around facts and information and i don't want to come on the front like i've got my speaking business all figured out because like i said 10 years in i think that i've got a long way to go in my speaking business but the excitement is around by applying what you care like what matters to you in your heart to something that matt like this business the lessons that you'll learn from just being transparent and following your heart will then translate into these other areas. And for speakers who like want to like become great to take the stage, just get up there and tell your truth. That's what I wanted to do here with you today. Just tell my truth of like where I'm at, what I've learned and where I want to go. And I think that's what people connect to. Like that's documenting the journey. I think that's what at the end of this conversation here that some people relate to. And I just want people to be true to themselves and, and just try and do good and help others. And then we're going to keep on rolling. Thanks a lot, Kevin. I think we're going to look back at this interview as being really transformative for a lot of people. And I know it's going to be for me. So again, I really appreciate you. Thanks for being on the show. If anyone here is inspired to learn way more about Kevin Rempel, you can pick up his book, uh, Still Standing. I love the book. And like I said, I got to know you like I never have anyone else in my entire life. So I <laughs> highly recommend people pick it up so they can learn more about your journey. And if they're in hard times, what to do to get out of it. Again, you provide a ton of value. So I really appreciate you being on the show. Right on. Thanks, Jonathan.